0: Welcome to the Merge podcast. The Merge is the student ministry of the First Baptist Church in Barnwell, South Carolina. The mission of the Merge is to equip students to love God and His people. Here is student pastor Ryan Holtzclaw. All right, so last couple of weeks, we've been doing a series called Vintage Jesus. And we started out in the first week talking about Jesus being the only God, we moved last week to looking at the question about Jesus and his humanity. Was Jesus as human, was Jesus as human, much human as he was God? And we kind of talked about that and the importance of why it's important for us to understand that Jesus was as much human as he was God. Well, tonight's question deals with the prophecies about Jesus. And the question is, how did the people know that Jesus was coming? How did the people know that Jesus was coming to the earth? And it's a very simple answer. Are you ready? They read the Old Testament. Good night, everybody. See you next week. Alright, I'm just kidding. Um, seriously though. There are over 322 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. And so we're going to start with prophecy number one, and we'll work our way through all 322 of them. That's one reason we got started a little, a little early tonight, all right? So here we go, prophecy number one. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, there are so many prophecies about Jesus, all right? And, and it's kind of like this. The chance or the opportunity for one person to feel all of those, fulfill all of those prophecies, all of those uh, predictions about him is, is about as much as taking um, a, uh, a bunch of silver coins, okay, taking silver coins, 10 to the 17th power, enough of silver coins, taking those coins and placing them all over the state of Texas, all right? You mark one, you mark one of those coins, and you place them all over the state of Texas. The 10th to the 17th power is enough coins to cover in the entire state of Texas, all right? And, and, then, and then you take a blind man, and you say, go find that special coin. And that blind man walks all over the state of Texas, and he finds that special coin, that is the likelihood of one person being able to fulfill the 322 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled that were told about him in the Old Testament, okay? When I started putting my message together about this, I started realizing what was going to end up happening up here was that I was going to read to you the prophecy and that I was going to read to you in the New Testament how Jesus fulfilled that. And so I really didn't want to just sit up here and read to you. Okay? So what you have on the front and back of that worksheet, those are the prophecies about Jesus. Some of them, not all of them. Okay? What I want you to do is to take that home with you and work on it. Read the verse in the Old Testament Write out the verse in the Old Testament. And then write out how Jesus fulfilled that verse in the New Testament. Do that and bring it back to me in two weeks, completely filled out, and you'll get a prize. Yes, you can put it on a different sheet of paper. Who said they didn't have one? All right, so y'all didn't have them in your chairs? All right, after the service is over, there's some up here on the front, and these chairs up here, um, get them from right there, okay? Bring them back in two weeks, and you will get a prize. But go through those prophecies. That answers the question, how did people know that Jesus was coming, okay? Like I said, I didn't want to stand up here and just read to you tonight, because It's almost spring break, and the very last thing that any of you want is somebody to sit up here and just read to you what you can go and read for yourself. The question is, will you go read it? Okay? Will you go read it? All right. We're going to do something a little different tonight. And on, not next week, because next week's spring break, I'm on vacation we'll be here so we're not having the mix next wednesday night two weeks from tonight, we will have the mix again and we'll pick up on the fourth question okay we'll pick up starting with the fourth question so tonight i want you to please turn with me to luke chapter 9. luke chapter 9. We're gonna look at verses 23. We'll start with verse 23. Luke 9, verse 23. Then he, Jesus, said to them all, If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me, we will save it. Guys, we are entering into Easter weekend. We are entering into a time of year where we celebrate not the death of Jesus, but we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus being brought back to life, rising up out of the grave, fulfilling all the prophecies about him. That was the last one that he would be taken up by God, and that because of that, he would have saved us all. And so, we get the image here. When Jesus is talking about in Luke nine twenty three. he starts talking about taking up your cross. Okay? Now, let me set this up for you a little bit. Here's what happened. Jesus and his boys, Jesus and his disciples, right, are walking through the streets of Jerusalem. Okay? And as they're walking through the streets of Jerusalem... They, they will see along the edge of the streets and along the tops of the walls of the city of Jerusalem, there's crosses everywhere, probably somewhere between 12 to 1,500 crosses just lined up everywhere. And, and at one point in time on those crosses, dead people hung there. They hung there for days and days. Sometimes on a, a crucifixion, it could take somebody up to two weeks to actually die, So Jesus is taking his boys, and they're walking through the city of Jerusalem, and they're looking at these crosses. And as these disciples, his boys, as as they are looking at those crosses, here's what they're, this is what's going through their mind. They're remembering back to a story that they all know very well. There was this group of men called the zealots. And when you're zealous about something, that means you're really passionate, you're really excited Okay, And, and so um, like I'm a zealot for, for professional wrestling. If any of y'all have been following me on Facebook recently, I, I love professional wrestling. It is my vice. It is, it's something that I have watched since I was probably 10 years old. I love professional wrestling. My first Valentine's night with Emily, we had our first one dating, okay? And it fell on a Monday night. And if you go to her and ask her what we did. I grilled cheeseburgers, and we watched Monday Night Raw. All right? This past Sunday night, it was Emily's birthday this past Sunday, right? And and it just so happened that WrestleMania 26 fell on this past Sunday. And I told her two weeks ago, birthday in the afternoon, WrestleMania at night, that's how it's got to be. And it ended up, I started watching WrestleMania about 10 o'clock, Sunday night after she had fallen asleep because I didn't get in my way, and uh, anyway I was up till three. But I am passionate. I love. And I, I know. I know it is as fake as the tooth fairy, but that's okay because I don't care. I love it. I love the athleticism. I love the storylines. I love Shawn Michaels. That was my boy. And, and he's retired, and I'm just heartbroken. So anyway, I'm passionate about wrestling. So that I'm a zealot for wrestling. I'm a zealot for that. I, I love it. I enjoy it, okay? So, so there was this group of men back in the day, and, and they were just, just zealots. And what they were zealous for, what they were passionate about, was taking the Roman army and getting it out of Jerusalem okay because they wanted to have control over their city so these zealots were like just a group of men that hadn't they didn't have weapons they didn't have swords they didn't have chariots they didn't have horses they didn't have any of that stuff and so the only way they could fight these roman soldiers was by guerrilla warfare so what they would do is they would go out into the middle of the street and they would start a fake fight and and the Roman soldiers would come up and start breaking up the fight, and these zealots would turn with knives and start stabbing the Roman soldiers, and it ended up killing them. And then the zealots would run off. Well, these zealots, one one time, at a certain point in time, they 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 began to th- feel like that it was taking them forever to get rid of the Roman soldiers. So so they decided that they wanted to try to speed things up a little bit, and and so they decided that they were going to just overtake the Roman soldiers, all of them in the whole city. They were going to take back their city. And so they come up with this huge elaborate plan, okay? And, uh, and about 2,000 men, two to 3,000 of these zealots, right? They charge Jerusalem. And, and it becomes known as a great revolt. And they charge Jerusalem, and they start revolting against the Roman soldiers, okay, because they were oppressed. They were being dictated to. It, it would be like the people of Russia uh, rising up to take back over their country because it's ruled, or, or Cuba, the people of Cuba rising up and overpowering the dictator, okay? So, so they've decided that that's what they're going to do, And so they take it, they they come at these soldiers, and they kill a bunch of these Roman soldiers. And they actually take back Jerusalem, and they hold it for one day. These zealots take it back, they think they've won, they hold it for one day. Well, the thing about Jerusalem is Jerusalem has many roads that run through it. And so it was a very popular city for um, marketers and stuff like that, right? They would go there to sell their goods and junk like that. So, um, but also in order to get from point A to point B, Romans would bring in battalions of soldiers, and they would have to go through Jerusalem to get to another place. Well, it just so happened that right after these zealots had taken over Jerusalem for that one day, that these Roman soldiers, this battalion of Roman soldiers, came through on one of these roads, and and when when They realized what had happened, okay, when they realized that these zealots had killed all these Roman soldiers, this battalion just crushes those zealots. And they took them, because they were guilty of treason, they took them, and they placed them on crosses, and they put them all across the city, on the wall of the city, at the base of the wall, down the streets, all along the city. They crucified close to 1,500 people, okay? And, and they put them up on those walls, and, then, and they left the bodies there. They left them there to decay. They left them there to rot, to, to stink, to smell. They left them there as a reminder that you don't mess with Rome. And so people would go to bed at night, And they would hear their cousins or their uncles or their dads screaming out in agony while they're being crucified from this cross. And that went on for several weeks. And then imagine the stench, the smell that filled the streets of Jerusalem. People knew not to mess with Rome anymore. They knew because their ancestors were crucified on a cross. And so people that were around then, they knew what being on a cross was all about, and what could happen to you. All right? So, Jesus and his boys, they're walking up and down the streets, and they're looking at these crosses. And Jesus, I mean, you had to see the crosses, right? And so, as they're walking, Jesus says, Hey, if any of you want to come with me, you have to pick up your cross. And they know exactly what he's talking about. You have to pick up your cross daily, and follow me. Okay? So, the first thing that I want you to see is this. He says, if anyone wants to come with me, what he's saying there is, if you want to come with me, if you want to be one of my disciples, if you want to be one of my disciples, here's what you have to do. You have to stop living for yourself and begin to listen to me and my ways and the ways that I think, the ways that I can teach you to live, do what I say, and you will be one of my disciples. Guys, there's a huge difference in somebody who is a follower of Christ and somebody who is a disciple of Christ. Because if you are just a follower, then you're really not doing much. You're just following but if you are a disciple think about the disciples that Jesus had 12 guys probably ranging from the age of 15 to 18 years old they left the family business and now they're living on a daily basis running with the son of God they've given up their life They've given up their wants, their desires to go and learn from the Son of God. They're different. They're not like everybody else. They surrendered their lives to him. They don't play games. They didn't play games with him. They didn't pretend like in front of him that they were going to follow him and love him. And then as soon as he turned his back, talk bad about him. Now, eventually, reality is, eventually, yes, Peter did that. Peter denied Christ. But in this moment, in this time, they were fully Jesus's. And even when Peter denied him, he still belonged to Jesus. He still loved him. He still respected him. Because as soon as they realized that Jesus was alive, Peter was the first one out that door. And he was the first one down that road to go and see him. Guys, if you want to be more than just a Follower of Christ. That there's certain things about your life within your lifestyle that you just can't do. And it doesn't make it easy, it makes things hard. Being a Christian is hard. It is a hard life because you have to go against everybody else, you have to go against everybody's grain, you have to go against the world. It is no longer it is no longer the rule of thumb is no longer um, to, to be like the world. You are different if you are a follower of Christ. And it's hard. Nothing worth having is easy. Nothing worth being successful at is easy some of you know this some of you don't but this past monday i started a 500 calorie a day diet okay who was that Uh, i started a 500 calorie a day diet okay and i am trying in the next five to six weeks I am going to drop 50 pounds, okay, seriously, no joke, In the next five to six weeks, I will drop 50 pounds. I am going back to the what I weighed when I was in high school. I weighed 180 pounds my senior year of high school, and I'm going back there, and that tells you how much I weigh right now. I weigh 230 pounds and I don't like it, okay? I don't like it. I haven't liked the way I've looked. I haven't liked myself. My esteem has been pretty low, honestly, in the last year and a half. I just have not liked the way I look, and I've complained about it, and complained about it, and complained about it, but I would still go out there and feed my face with a half a pizza, or I would eat two or three cheeseburgers and drink four or five Cokes, okay? I've been known to take a whole pound of M&M's, the bag of M&M's, a whole pound bag of them, and eat them in one night and drink a two-liter Pepsi, okay? So, I've, I made this decision with Emily. I'm on a very strict, doctor-planned diet. Now, don't y'all go and think that you can just drop the 500 calories a day and you'll be all right. You can't do that. I'm on a doctor-planned diet, Okay, I want to make that very clear, but it is so hard because I can't have any sugar other than my wife. I can't have any sugar. I can't have any carbohydrates. I can't have any fattening foods. I can't have any sodas. I can't have any... Dairy product whatsoever. I can't have any hamburger meat because it's got fat in it. So my day looks like this. I get up in the morning, I eat two eggs. You've done it? Did you take the drops? Okay. Okay. Um. So I, am, I eat an egg or two in the morning. Mid-morning, I'll eat an orange. For lunch, I will have a salad that will be lettuce with uh, maybe a little bit of baked chicken on it. Uh, not much because I can only have seven ounces of meat a day. Um, I can only have seven ounces of vegetables a day. Uh, and I can only have two fruits a day. Um, the dressing that I have to use on my salad is a red wine vinegar dressing. That's it. Um, it's not. Yeah, it's not alcohol. It's just uh, red wine vinegar. But anyway, the the point is this, guys. It's hard. Okay, it's very difficult, uh, especially at night because I'm hungry. All right, I stayed up in my office tonight till about. 5.45, almost 6 o'clock, because I knew that pizza was down here, and, uh, and so I stayed up in my office to stay away from that pizza. Uh, I'm drinking two liters of water a day, so I'm sweating like crazy, but, um, but anyway, but it's difficult, and it's going to be very difficult for me to do this, and I've got six weeks of it, uh, but I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it because I understand what the end of it is. I understand the goal. And I understand how much better I'm going to feel about myself. My brother did this diet, and he lost. Um, he went from two what I say, two forty five to one seventy five. Okay, so so I know, I understand, I see the end result of it, guys. It's the same thing as when you're a Christian. It's hard. It's hard to to be different than everybody else. It's hard to stay away from everybody else. It's hard to um, to not do the things that they do. It's very difficult but you have to stop thinking about the moment because in that moment, you may be hungry for that stuff, but you've got to think about the end. What is the outcome going to be? Where am I going to end up at the end? And that needs to be true with every decision that you make. If I make this decision, what is the outcome going to be? If you want to be a follower of Christ, Jesus says right here, you have to be my disciple. The second thing that he says is he says, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself. And we touched on that a little bit. You must deny your wants and your need, what you think is your needs. And you need to say, God, what you have in store for me is better. What you have for me at the end of all this is better than this momentary pleasure. I am a Reese cup nut, okay? Saturday and Sunday, I knew that I was about to start this diet. Saturday and Sunday, I was able to eat whatever I wanted. And so Sunday morning, I came down here before church and in 10 minutes, I ate six Reese cups and drank two coats. I'm a Reese cup nut. And now, I can't touch them. I had an (laughs) 18-pack. I had an 18-pack in my refrigerator. Monday morning, got up, put them in a bag, brought them to church, and gave them to the staff. Because I can't eat that stuff anymore, right now. And you do, right in front of me. So, so... We have to deny ourselves. Last night, Emily made this huge plate of potatoes while I ate baked fish and green peppers. And she's over there scarfing down potatoes, and I'm thinking, Egh. and then she comes in there with ice cream right in front of me. So, so and I'm sitting there thinking, I want that, but, but you can't have it. I can't have it because if I try it, then I'm going to break my word. I'm going to break my promise to myself and to her that that I'm going to lose this weight. I'm going to do it. It's the same thing, guys, being a Christian. You have to deny yourself. You may think this is what I want. This is good for me. But in reality, it's probably not good for you at all. You may think that dating that one guy the bad guy. You know, all the girls want to date the bad guy, the bad boy, right? And you may think, man, dating him, that's what I want. That'll, oh, it's just something about dating the bad boy. Yeah, go date him and let him slap you around a little bit. Let's see how good that is. Go date him and let him cheat on you a few times. Let's see how good that is. Go date him and let him break up with you in three weeks because you won't have sex with him. Let's see how good that feels. Or go date him, have sex with him, then he'll break up with you so he can move on to somebody else. That'll make your self-esteem very high. Being a follower of Christ, being a disciple of Christ, you have to deny yourself. Hey, you can watch TV and you can look on television and you can see all these people and they're drinking it up. and, And they're doing this stuff and you may think, man, that's fun. What they're not showing you is what happens afterwards. They're not showing you waking up in your own pool of vomit. Hey, I told y'all last week about me drinking and stuff. And, and, and let me tell you, you know what got me to quit drinking? It was two things, three things. Number one, it was God. Number two, uh, one night I had to carry a buddy of mine. I wasn't drinking at all. He was. I had to carry a buddy of mine, dead weight on my back, up four flights of stairs because he was drunk. I took him into his room laid him down on his bed, undressed him, put him in the bed, only to walk in two minutes later, he's laid on the floor in a pool of his vomit. He could have choked on his own vomit had somebody not been there. We picked him up, we duct taped him to the sink so that he couldn't move. And he vomited in the sink all night. And when I left that next morning, I thought, that is the most ridiculous night I've ever spent in my life duct-taping one of my friends to a sink so he won't die in his own vomit. This third thing that got me to quit drinking was this girl named Katie, but that's a different story. She knows. Guys, there's nothing I say up here that I have never told her. Well, maybe. I'm just kidding. But anyway, so he says you have to deny yourself. Deny what you think you may want because in reality, you probably really don't want that as bad as you think you do. And a lot of times when you get things that you think you really, really want, it's really not as good as you thought. And so you set it aside and you move on to the next thing. Jesus says you have to deny yourself. The third thing he says is you have to take up your cross. The third thing he says is take up his cross daily. And so Jesus and his boys are walking and he says, take up your cross. And they immediately are gonna look at these crosses that are in the street and they're gonna realize what he's talking about. He's saying, you're gonna suffer. You're going to suffer. Because being a Christian and following Christ, it means sometimes there's gonna be some suffering why because god wants to take you and he wants to make you as great as you possibly can be and the ways that he does that is by taking you through different situations in order to make you a stronger person at the end of it it's called being refined by the fire you ever seen a blacksmith video where a blacksmith is making a sword like on those Marine Corps commercials, and you got the dude, and he's standing there, and he's hitting the sword and hitting it and hitting it, it, and he's making it, and he's making it, and he's making it, and he doesn't stop until it's perfect sword. That's what God's trying to do with you. And so to take up your cross daily, it means that, hey, there may be times that you'll have to suffer. There may be things that you'll go through in your life That at the end of it, it, during it, it will be difficult, it will be hard. But at the end of it, you will be all the better for it. Because then you can come along beside somebody else and help them with it. And, And guys, I know that you right now, a lot of you probably are going through or have been through some tough times in your life. And if you are a follower of Christ, my advice to you is this, hang in there. Because when you get to the end, you'll realize how much worth it it was. Perfect example of that, okay, perfect example of that would be, I don't know, something tough you've been through, something hard where you have to really just sit back and rely on God. Uh, Back February the 20th, I got a note in the mail that Emily and I were having to leave the house that we had been living in in Blackville since we moved here in September. And um, there was no reason on the note. There was nothing listed, just you got to be out of the house by April the 20th. And I was like, what the crap? So I called the lady, and I said, what the crap? And, and I was actually very nice. I was like, Miss, Miss Such-and-Such, I don't understand this, what's going on. And, um, and she said, well, even though I live two hours away, I don't like your dog. I was like, you don't like my 70-pound lab who has done absolutely nothing to you, to your house, and you want him to leave, us to leave. And she said yes. Long and short of it is this. Emily and I um, had to start looking for property, rental property here in Barnwell. We would find a place. We would like it. We would go to sign the lease on it, and something would happen. We had one that we really liked. Somebody bought it. And, and it was just this whole process of things where we were just struggling, and we were scared because April the 20th was getting closer and closer, and, and we we just didn't have anything. And I don't know if you have parents or whatever that have tried to find rental property here in Barnwell, but it is very difficult because If you are not careful, you'll end up moving into a house, living with Mickey Mouse and the Disney characters and Tommy Roach and his buddies, okay? And so I wasn't gonna live in a mouse infested or roach infested house. It was tough. But in the end, it worked out because we have a very nice place that we're moving into starting this Saturday. You can be at my house in Blackville at noon. I've got some bedroom furniture I need help moving, and I'm not kidding. Um, boxes, stuff like that, not kidding, Uh, we'll give you directions. But um, we're moving over here to Wanamaker. It was tough, but because of it, because of it, yeah, I'll be living right down the road from Tootin over here, and so uh, uh, if y'all ever go to Tootin's house for wild parties or something, if you ever want to come and check out his mom because she's very beautiful, and if you want to come check out her mom, his mom, come hang out at my house, you can just sit there and watch at that right. Dude. See, we can talk to um hot grandma here. Hey, have y'all heard the story, by the way, of Carly? Oh, all right, I won't. All right, so anyway, so the thing is this, guys, um... It can be difficult being, being a follower of Christ because he, he'll take you through, he'll, he'll allow you to go through certain situations in life, but only to make you stronger in the end. And in the end of this situation with me and Emily, I look back on it now and I can see how my faith has gotten stronger in God because I know for sure he's always going to take care of me. And that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to rely on him for everything. And the last part of this verse, Jesus says, you take up that cross Daily. Hey, it's not a once-a-week deal. Following him, being a disciple of Christ, it's not a once-a-week deal. It's not a once-a-month deal. It's not a when I'm at church thing. It is a every-single-day thing. Following Christ is an every-single-day thing. It's something that happens from the time you get up to the time you go to bed. And he says, he says you can't do this sporadically or else it won't mean anything. And so the challenge for you guys tonight is this, are you a follower or are you a disciple of the one that went to a cross and died for your sins, was raised from the grave three days later? I know you've heard it a million times, And the more you hear it, the more you think, oh, not that again. But the reality is this, it happened. He suffered. And I think as close as a picture as we can ever get to that is through the Passion movie. And I would tell you, go watch it. If you've never seen it, make sure your parents know you're going to watch it. Go watch it. It'll change how you view things. I promise. Stop being a follower and start being a disciple. Quit making excuses. Stop living for the moment. Look at people around you that are going through all kind of bull because they've made bad decisions. Look at them, not right now, some of y'all are turning and looking and like, yeah. You don't want to be like them. So don't make the bad decisions that they made. And, and don't wait. And, and after you've made that bad decision, then say, oh, now I want to give my life to Jesus. Why? Why wait? Why wait? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for this day. We praise you for what's coming. Lord, Sunday's coming. And God, every bad thing that could have happened to your son, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, everything that happened to you that was so bad on Friday, God, we realize as believers in you that the whole time Friday was happening, that Sunday was coming. And God, Sunday came and you raised up out of that grave and you defeated death. You won the war so that we can make a decision, so that we can make a decision to either live with you for eternity or live against you. So that, God, that day you come back, that we will either be for you or we will be against you, God. And my prayer tonight is that everybody in this room, when they look upon the face of God, when they look upon the face of the judge, when they look upon the face of Christ Jesus, that, God, they will be recognized by him that he will not look at them and say, I don't know who you are. And God, I pray that they they can do that, that they don't live for themselves, that they don't just give in to what everybody says they need and should do. They don't give in to popularity and, and all that other bull. But God, that they live for you. And that when things get tough, when that cross, God, that they're carrying, when it gets heavy, like it was heavy on your back, when that cross gets heavy, God, My prayer is that they don't give up. That they continue on because they know what the goal is. And the goal is eternity with you. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you for what you did for me and for them. Praise you. We love you. I love you. I love you so much because you did what I could never do. And that has saved me. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening to the Merge podcast. For more information about the Merge student ministry, please go to www.mergestudents.com.